You're listening to the Games Industry Doppers podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I'm joined this week by Matt Handran and Hayden Taylor. We're going to be discussing some of the biggest industry stories, starting with G2A. Now they've been rather quiet for a while. This is this is a weird one, look, in that we we just missed this story. That we we recorded the previous episode of the podcast just before the uh, the G2A stuff really kind of kicked off. Um, but they've been quiet for a couple of years. They have had years and years of of controversy and negative press around them. In that you know website that allows users to sell keys, and there are constant accusations that their people are selling stolen keys or selling you know, selling keys that they just have obtained illegally in some form. G2A have never done a particularly good job of uh, defending themselves, but in this case, it seems to have really ramped up. For anyone who has not been following this, the short version is No More Robots, which is an indie publisher based in the UK. The founder of that, um, Mike Rose, the founder of No More Robots, complained on Twitter that G2A was using Google Ads to promote his game Descenders and asked people to pirate his game rather than buy it via G2A since developers don't get a penny either way. A bunch of other indie developers kind of seconded this. Yes, G2A is a smear on the industry. We hate this. Make sure you pirate our games rather than uh, buy it on G2A because we're we're all out of pocket either way. Um, G2A responded to this with a very, very, very long um, post and and statement that was emailed to to gamesindustry.biz kind of breaking down why they don't believe that the keys sold on their site are a problem. And then Mike Rose immediately came back and was like, yeah, but that's not, that's not entirely the point. You've missed, missed a lot of the point. The point is our games are being sold far, far cheaper on your website than they are ever you know, obtained legally. Like So the example we gave was um, Descenders. Descenders to date has only ever been discounted as low as $22. It has been sold on G2A for $13. And he was pointing out, like in G2O's own statement, there was a screen grab of um, kind of they were trying to show how few copies of Descenders have been sold by G2A, and yet of the keys that were sold, uh, more than a hundred of them were sold by one person. Which Mike Rose was like, "There, that's a bit flaggable." Did no one do anything about this? Anyway, it expanded to the point where Mike has started a petition with uh, trying to get people to to encourage G2A to stop selling indie games entirely. The argument being that G2A said, well, only 8% of the games we sell are indie titles, therefore we're not affecting indies that much, to which indies have responded, well, you can take an 8% hit on your sales if it means that you're not ruining our businesses. The petition's already got over 5,000 signatures so far. G2A have come, we actually delayed recording this episode because G2A have come back with their proposed solution. They have proposed that they'll they will make a key blocking tool where developers can say, right, these are the keys that we gave out for review. These are the keys we gave out on giveaways, i.e. via social media or competitions or whatever. They can then put those into a database on G2A and G2A will check any keys being sold for their game against that database. And if there is a matching key, they will block it. They will not allow that key to be sold because G2A's argument is that the people selling like review keys are just are just pretending to be influencers so they can sell them on G2A. And the giveaways like, giveaways G2A say like, well, technically people should be able to do whatever the hell they want with those, but if you want us to block them, we'll block them. The catch is they haven't built it yet. They want a hundred developers to sign up within the next month to show their interest because it's time consuming and expensive. I would argue that dealing with this constant barrage of negative press is probably also time-consuming and expensive, so just build the flipping tool. Also, um, I mean, maybe I've misunderstood this, but 
Am I right in thinking that it's not necessarily keys being resold from reviews and giveaways because those represent like a tiny fraction of the actual keys? Isn't it the problem that people buy buy them on stolen credit cards? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. The they're cancelled, yeah. but they still have a boatload of keys which they can which they can then use. Isn't that like where the main problem comes from? It's the chargebacks thing. Yeah, that's that's mm. part of it. But to be honest, I, I, so I think we probably need to. Uh, so go about this in a slightly more structured way because we, you know, that that you've encapsulated like the whole soup to nuts of the story there, uh, batch. But I think like there, there's just so many layers to this. Like, so many layers. We can talk, but we can talk about you know the the the, the use of Google ads, ads is one thing. What Mike Rose said is one is another thing. Then what GTA responded is another thing. But like we're obviously we're now. I think I think there's yeah like almost like kind of like we need to go back to the beginning of this and. And kind of unpick it from the very start because Absolutely. I think for me the thing that um, yes I mean obviously G two A has been torn apart so many times now it just feels like just pure deja vu this thing like this is not the first time G two A has been taken to the cleaners on social media by indie developers I, I can't see it being the last um, but the thing that, that most struck me about this actually and the, the most objectionable thing G two A did is pay for Google ads for for a game that it is selling at no profit to the developer. Like that's 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 problematic. And one and actually because I actually think what Mike Rose ended up doing is kind of changing his argument a little bit based on G2A's response like you missed the point here. I, I don't think G2A did actually miss the point in this response. Because Mike 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 Rose's initial stance was you are paying for advertising so that when someone searches for my game the link to your store comes above all the legitimate ways of buying the game. And that obviously sucks, basically. That, for me, is a, is a single thing here that, that struck me as the most objectionable what they did because they're completely undercutting legitimate means of buying games as well. Like It's not just this key could be stolen or it costs less here. It's actually they're, they're, they're completely... They're, they're, they're using their, their, their resources to kind of dominate the market in a way that makes it more and more and more difficult for indie developers to, to have their games bought by legit, from legitimate sources. The one thing I would say to that is in terms of G2A facilitating users to resell keys, like I don't think in principle there is anything wrong with that. Like if you enter a competition and you win a code for like the Division 2 and you're like, eh, I don't really want this, can I get 30 quid for it on G2A? Like I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I think the issue is when you get people acquiring hundreds of codes through stolen credit cards and then it all gets charged back the developer gets no money and then this person has 100 codes which they then sell on for like 20 dollars a pop or whatever like that to me is the real problem with g2a that's what makes it so shady like if you legitimately own a code like i would say that you are well within your rights to do what you want with that whether it's like uh you know trade it in on steam or sell it or whatever it is you actually want to do yeah and i would i would agree with that on an individual basis yes but the issue as you say like and, and you know as, as they, they as they showed in their own screen grab of their internal system is when you have people or a single person selling more than 100 keys that's when it raises massive flags yeah it's like where, where the hell do you get 100 like codes for descenders from like unless it's through incredibly shady means yeah well you must be gaming the system somehow Right, like, because there's no way you can buy them at the you know recommended retail price, as it were. 
and then sell them at any kind of a profit on G2A. He said, but the issue, uh, yeah, so the, the problem I have actually with all of this, and it's not a problem because I agree that G2A is shady and that stuff needs to change. It does have a negative effect on some business done by developers. I actually think the degree to which it affects developers is slightly overstated because, uh, you know, I'm, I know... We we both we all know the players involved in this. We know we know Mike Crows and his business is doing extremely well. Like it's not like G two A is bringing its business to its knees. This is a matter of principle for most people. And actually, the general the general thing is that people just don't like G two A. And there's this kind of thing. I, I just get the get the feeling that what everybody involved really wants is just to see G two A go away altogether. They can't do that. So they have to kind of focus on things that they can address. And the one thing they can address is, which is what you point out, Hayden, is that yeah, because because there is no there is no like logical stance to say that G two A should not exist because everyone should be able to sell their own property if they want to. That is perfectly fine. The issue that that people can fixate on is the fact that G two A doesn't seem to give a shit about whether the keys stolen or not. They don't seem to spend too much time analysing these trades to figure out if they're stolen or not. They're basically turning a blind eye to the black market, you know, dodgy stuff that's going on because it's to its own benefit that it doesn't notice that that, that stuff is happening. But you, you have to accept the fact that a lot of perfectly legitimate stuff does take place in G2A. So the, what, what is the solution that indie developers are looking for? Because I don't, hmm, I don't, I don't always get the impression that the people that complain about G2A truly know how they want this to resolve. Um, that seems to be a bit of a movable conclusion, you know, like in this whole debate between No More Robots and, uh, and G2A, the kind of like the terms of the discussion seem to change about three or four times um, based on what each was saying to the other. And now this is a petition to get all indie games removed from G2A, but what's an indie game in that sense? Like how big a team? You know what I mean? Like what, what isn't even, what, 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 what's an indie game and what's not an indie game? I, I, all of this stuff gets really fuzzy and really vague and it all just seems to boil down to the fact like G2A is kind of a shitty company. The, the further solution to this then is building on that key block at all. Like if, if G2A enabled developers to say, look, just don't sell any copies of my game at all. If these, these specific indie developers who are concerned about their game being sold through G2A, if they could block all sales of their game through G2A, G2A wouldn't suffer that greatly because, as it says, only 8% of its games are in indie. And even then, of that 8%, not all studios would then think to go to G2A. So G2A's business would still be absolutely fine because they're still selling like all the big AAA games. And then the developers that are specifically worried about this have then blocked their games on. So yeah. maybe it's down to, to developers saying, look, just stop selling my game, not all indie games. It doesn't okay, but like, but so, but can we? I, I just want to say because that doesn't make any sense to me, and I know that's probably not like it's not what I'm supposed to think, but it's like why, why, why would G two A just stop selling keys of a game because a developer asked them not to? Why would they? I don't know. Like, I, it's I, back to what Hayden was saying. There's nothing actually wrong, truly in principle, with what G two A does. It's just that there are certain manifestations of that which are problematic. Um, well, what's your, I mean, what, what's your feeling on that that kind of idea, Hayden, of, of people saying, please just, just don't sell our games? Well, I, what, mean, I, I, I mean, it's a free market, so I, I don't really understand that point of view. Yeah, like, I can't see any, any world in which G2A would be like, sure. And like, I get the, say, what is it, 8, 8% of games being sold on, on G2A are indie games. 
and indies are the ones who are most vocal about it but that's because they're kind of allowed to be vocal about it in a way that big AAA companies always have to watch their word a lot more carefully because they have investors and shareholders and all sorts of stakeholders and stuff like that so you know you're not going to get um, like Andrew Wilson or whatever calling G2A out on social media because that's just that's just not how things work so I, I can't imagine that the big companies are terribly pleased with what's going on with G2A, but also like it's the gray market and that's the inherent problem with the gray market is like there isn't an obvious solution because it exists in between, you know, legal and illegal. There's no real way to actually concretely say this, you cannot do this for these reasons. Mm, yeah. And, and to be clear, like my, it would be nice it's not. I'm not saying like it's wrong to want G2A to stop selling your games because some percentage of those will be stolen keys, right? And and again, some percentage of those we don't we genuinely don't know how many of these sales are being made, you know, uh, in in that way. But I just it's just an odd demand to make because there's just no incentive for G2A to stop, and it actually. It speaks to a, a more of a, I, I mean, and the, the real issue here for me, and it's one I think about a lot, and actually we talked a little bit about this around uh, our conversation around like the Epic Game Store, is that G2A, how much do the people that buy keys from G2A truly care about this? Do you think? I how much think do gamers care about where the key comes from? Oh, very little. And that's partly G2A's point. Is like gamers just want to be able to buy games that are as cheap as possible for as little as possible, and G2A enables that. Also, I, I would imagine it's not even so much a case of like they don't care. It's often a case of like it doesn't even occur to them. Like they just go, well, this is the cheapest place. Like I, yeah. how many how many sort of of your average consumers are gonna are gonna be paying that close attention? How many of them are going to think, oh, this looks like a grey market storefront. Hmm, how curious. They're just going to be yeah. like, wow, it's $10 cheaper here than Steam. Yes, please. Yeah, exactly. And and, and uh, I think, but, but, but also, I think the, the response that could possibly well educate them, right? And like partly what, what's going on here is people making noise to draw attention to the facts. You know, and what we had here was an, was an incident of, uh, you know, some very prominent and uh, public-facing indie figures like Micros, like Ramish, saying, don't buy our games from GTA Pirates. I mean, they're making a plea directly to the game. The thing, the thing that I question, though, is whether or not if you, if, like, how many out of, say, 100 games armed with, like, if you did, if they were educated on that, how many of them would still buy the key in the cheapest place possible? I mean, it's, it's, this is a thing that the industry has a real trouble um, addressing or accepting sometimes, is that, that the consumers don't always seem to don't seem to have in mind a lot of, of the issues and problems that developers kind of wish they would. Like, we need to get paid. Like, there, there's a lot of backlash against kind of things like monetization things and all that sort of stuff. And, and fundamentally, it boils down to there's a lot of people out there who may love your game, but they don't necessarily think about the people making it. And they don't necessarily have to think about the people making it. They don't have to think about the fact that in order to, you know, to, to pay the bills and keep the company running, they do need to make money somehow. There, there's, there's, a, there's a degree of entitlement that the industry has a real hard time looking at and facing and talking about because they don't want to they don't want to kind of address the fact that their that their customers their audience their fan base sometimes acts in a way that's against their own interests um, and this is kind of where g2a is slotted into the market you know? this is this is what this is why g2a is allowed to thrive sure i mean if you, if you look at other industries though whether it's like food or clothing or whatever um you know there are entire sort of 
businesses and brands and subsectors built inside these industries, which are you know built on the back of things like sustainability, um, <clears throat> you know, environmentally friendly, uh, ethical production of stuff, and people buy those things specifically because you know, like fair trade coffee, for example, people buy fair trade coffee because it's fair trade and that's the thing that they are most concerned about so like while the industry isn't there yet it does kind of make me wonder if that's the sort of direction perhaps we're going on like maybe some games will have a little sticker on the box that's like ethically mm. produced by people who weren't worked to death or like yeah or, yeah, or, yeah, know, yeah, right, the, yeah the developers get appropriately paid when you buy from this storefront and that being like a big yeah. sticker like on yeah, there made, in the same way. made by a developer that belongs to the developers union yeah exactly like you can you can almost imagine it going that way and yeah a lot of consumers won't care but a lot of consumers don't care that their clothes are made in bangladesh by like you know children who stitch their hands together or whatever it is but a lot of people do and they buy stuff made out of hemp that was you know stitched two miles down the road like there is there is a market for sort of uh boutique ethical production of things so it kind of makes sense that that would exist in the game sphere maybe not now maybe not for another 10 years but it makes yeah, sense so that I, there is room for that yeah because that's why i was thinking actually you know that oh, we live in a world where there is great awareness around around working conditions and so on and so forth like as you say made in bangladesh or made in factories where people are breathing in aluminium dust we, we did a report on conflict minerals for example these changes take do take place over long periods of time you know, like this, I, I've been aware of conflict materials being in my phone as long as I've had a phone, but I'm not necessarily conscious enough of wh- which I, I, I don't necessarily factor that into my decision when it comes to getting a new phone, I guess. And I would consider myself a fairly conscious person in that exact respect. So I think, yeah, I think, as you say, it does make perfect sense that this that this is a change that can happen. And in order to do that, you need to make noise around these things. But it is it is difficult to imagine how quickly it could take place. Certainly, like whether we're going to see a change in, you know, whether this petition, for example, is going to lead to G2A drawing a line saying, okay, we will sell these kinds of keys or we will not sell these kinds of keys. Albeit that line seems to be more, somewhat arbitrary, right? Like, you know, what, what, what is an indie developer under that, under that terminology? How big a game? Is it about budget? Is it about team size? Is it about, you know, this or is it about that? Whether or not we're going to see any change G2A on the back of this, though obviously the proposed solution is, is another conversation. Isn't it? I, I don't think we're going to see any substantial change from G2A unless somebody literally holds like the CEO's head in a toilet and repeatedly flushes it like, and force, forces them um, to actually make a change because like it's not in their interest and they, they can make a few noises that, you know, getting a hundred devs to you know pre-sign up before they commit to doing it. That's, that's a real like empty gesture if you ask me. Yeah, that, that was part of it. I think the trouble, you know, going back to your, the earlier point of like G2A doesn't help itself. Like as we've established, like the, the basic principle of what G2A does is fine. No, I don't think this petition is going to make an issue. As you, as you said earlier, Matt, like we're inevitably going to see another indie versus G2A backlash at some point in future. This this is a, a story that's come back and forth. But like G, I think I think the reason that there's always such kind of aggression against G2A is it just doesn't help itself in in some of the ways it does things. So, <laughs> at the risk of touching on there, there was a, a oh right. So reportedly, a single employee at G2A and without giant authorization, quotation marks by the way, massive a quotation single marks. Single employee. 
So I just don't buy. I don't buy that for a second. <laughs> I know, but we, we, we're, we're being cynical then, like, but, but partly built due to the ongoing suspicion of G2A and everything it does because this company has been picked apart so damn often. But allegedly, one employee, and yes, I did just do the quote marks, <laughs> without authorization, tried to get a, a ten journalists or ten media outlets to run an article defending G2A written by G2A without signifying as such. That doesn't help that this is the thing you've got this big company that like in yes in principle your marketplace is not doing anything that no other marketplace would do it, you know, it, it is is wrong like their argument is their marketplace is no different to the likes of amazon or ebay in that it lets people sell things that are in their possession ebay doesn't check whether or not the bike it's selling is is stolen amazon doesn't check whether the uh, the toy you're selling works before you sell it as far as i'm aware but Amazon and eBay, to our knowledge, aren't trying to solicit articles without yeah, indicating no, that. <laughs> that's that's true, but then but then I think uh, exactly what actually happened there is still not clear to me. If you know what I mean, like there there that that very bizarre thing happened. There's there's a I've I've read maybe four or five different theories on what was actually going on. Including one where it wasn't, you know, where it wasn't anyone who actually even worked at G two A, or like the guy didn't really exist, or this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would say in this case, like it's Occam's razor, right? The most, the most plausible, yeah, one is the most, uh, the most likely, and it's the most plausible that GTA, a company with a bit of a history of being a bit shady, might try and do something a bit shady. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's amazing to me they thought anybody would take them up on it. Know, it's not not exactly yeah. like the, the the best of offers, is it? Just <laughs> pub, publish this piece of propaganda for us, would you? Do us a favour, you know, our friends in the press or whatever. I mean, I think I think one of the issues with uh, G two A, as you say, right, like it it doesn't do things in the right way, but like it just. And again, like it's a hard thing to talk about because you know what you want to do is you want to talk about the realities of the situation. And as we discussed, it's like it's hard to see how G two A would ever reform on the basis of the kind of pressure that's being put on. But at the same time, I think we would all agree that we don't like appreciate necessarily what G two A is doing either. Like, but it's just you have to you have to be able to discuss the situation in frank terms and. And unfortunately, you're in a you're in a position where you have to acknowledge, you know what? Like if if I if I have if I have come if I if I have a game key in my possession through legitimate means, there should be a place where I could sell that, um, and that's what G2A does. But it just it does it in a way that seems pretty cynical, where it, where it also leaves itself open to being used for those kind of nefarious purposes. Though arguably, as you say, Batch, in no no more more nefarious way than potentially eBay does. Um, but there, but it, but it's the subject of very intense focus because it's specialist, and therefore, like with eBay, I'm sure plenty of stolen goods get sold over eBay. But it sells literally everything, so there's it's, it's less less of an easy target when it comes to people complaining about it. And as G2A says, and I don't, I'm obviously not just echoing what they say. As journalists, we do have to re- report both sides of the story. Something I actually pointed out to someone who rather politely emailed me that they were going to inform me, they were going to report on me to the FTC because they believed an article that I'd run had been the one that uh, G2A allegedly oh, yeah. were trying to put out there. That was just hilarious. Like they, Yeah, the, the article that people believe um, G2A were trying to get out there not signified as a G2A article. Um, someone believed it was on GamesCentral.biz, despite the fact that the article in question was telling both sides of the story, was not a word-for-word replication of G2A statement, and had in fact been published four days before that happened. <laughs> but, 
As I've said to him, we are responsible for saying um, both sides of the story. And G2A's point that they keep making is that just if, if G2A disappeared, disappeared, if G2A stopped selling indie games, it wouldn't stop these keys being sold. Now, that's not an excuse. That's not as, like, well, it's all right then, we'll let you guys do it. But that is the, the point is that fixing G2A and fixing this specific problem doesn't fix the wider issue. I think that sometimes gets missed. Well, yeah, and, and with that in mind, I mean, for me, the, 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 the discussion doesn't sometimes gets a little bit muddy because people end up asking for things that are a bit, maybe a bit unrealistic. For example, stop selling all indie games. It's just that for me, that's probably just never going to happen. You're never going to get, you, you, you're never going to have a good enough argument to make G2A do that. But the thing that the best resolution for this is just that G2A gets way better and way more serious about rooting out stolen merchandise. Absolutely. For preventing it from being sold. So, yes, they've made this gesture, which you're absolutely right, and it does seem like a bit of an empty one. But something of that kind is probably the only thing that can realistically happen that would make this situation better it's not that g2a goes away it's not that it stops selling a certain kind of game it's just that it, it starts to take the process like like mike rose said like there's a hundred descendants keys they all come from the same source that could easily be flagged and it's not being flagged and if g2a as it as it claims says that there's a fairly small proportion of these sales are from are, from, are ever going to be from stolen goods then why not just have a bigger team to handle it because they've got to be making a lot of money. And the, the sentiment against them is absolute. I, the negative sentiment towards GTA is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, we, I, if a reboot developed at a conference in Croatia a couple of years ago. G2A put up a speaker there. And like, were you there, Batch? I wasn't there. I was, uh, I was no. watching the stream from home. Extraordinary stuff. Like, the guy just took an absolute pummeling from the crowd to the point where a couple of people who obviously knew the guy personally, stood up and said, this is disgusting, and walked out, because it was just a merciless kind of beating this guy took. <laughs> and I remember, like, the end of the day, it was like a party in the evening, and everyone was mingling by 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 the pool at this hotel where the conference is held. And I went for a walk around the bay with someone to, to just get away from the party, and I was walking past a restaurant, and it's like a fairly secluded area. And so, like, all, most of the restaurants are shut down because it's, it's not, like, season, it's, uh, because it's all out of season, out of tourist season. And the, but there was one restaurant, and, like, the G2A guy was in there on his own, like, in this empty restaurant, eating dinner in the corner, kind of, like, head hung low while everybody else at the concert. It was one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, you know, and in that situation, you're like, well, you know what, like, it's just extraordinary the degree to which G2A is a dirty word. Like, that guy obviously felt he couldn't even be near other people, like actual game developers. You know, it's, it's such a, it's such a, uh, yeah, it's just like a byword for shadiness and cynicism and all of this kind of stuff, you know. I do sometimes feel sorry. Whenever they send us a statement, particularly in the last couple of weeks, whenever they send a statement, I do feel a little, a little sorry for them because no matter what they say, no matter what they propose, it will get ripped apart, like you say. Yeah. But yeah, but I think I think that the best thing, and actually I, I met with Mobile Robots at uh, another conference this week, one in Brighton Develop, which we've got a lot of content on based on the, the, the sessions there on the site at the moment. But I met with Mike Rose. Fortunately, uh, our interview got cut a little bit short, so I didn't get to G2A. But the question I really wanted to ask him was like, what what is the solution here? Like, what do you want to see happen? Because I think that's the thing, the actual pop, the, the best outcome for this, I think, is the one that there seems to be too many too many kind of notions of, and some of them are unrealistic, as I say. But I would be more be quite interested to hear 
Rani here might say, okay, this is what needs to happen now, rather than it just being go and pirate our games instead, which I actually don't, I actually think that isn't a particularly great thing to encourage people to do, because I, I think encouraging people to pirate games just encourages piracy in general, in my opinion. I, I don't think that's a particularly productive thing to say. Well, sorry, I've just, just brought up Twitter very briefly, and there is a tweet from two minutes ago from Mike Rose on this I very subject. Wonder. Which is, uh, so while the key blocking initiative is a nice gesture, and if implemented, may actually be very useful, it's just another example of G2A publicly making some positive sounding statements to glaze over the fact that they're not actually addressing the issue at all. Which is basically what we've been saying, <laughs> but it's it's interesting, it's like, it's, it, it, it's hard to look at, it's hard to see it in any other light, I think. Yeah, but so is, is, but is the issue that Mike Rose is referring to there, what is... What is the issue then? It's the fact that, is it what you previously stated that is that keys are available at lower prices there than they are elsewhere? And There's a second tweet. He, he's in his in his next tweet. He's um, saying that once G2A actually addresses this issue, you know the issue where you can blatantly see people illegitimately selling keys through their website, which I presume to be a reference to that chap selling 100 key copies of Descenders. Then all the rest is fluff. Saying, look how we plan to help, while ignoring obvious scamming is so hilariously perfectly G2A. <laughs> yeah, but so then then, then the, 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 the thing that G2A needs to do now, G2A if you're listening, is to really put a lot more effort into making sure that these, these, uh, these dodgy trades don't happen on your platform, I guess, right? That, he does add, sorry, I've, 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 I've scrolled further up the Twitter thread. He's got another issue, and this is a whole other thing, maybe we go into another time, is apparently people are using G2A to sell Steam gift links, which aren't actually a working game, but come across like a working game. So they get the money, but the person who's selling them doesn't get a full game. That's a whole other issue, apparently, of G2A. Yeah, but that's another, but that, you know, that falls broadly under the category of G2A needs a team that pays more attention to what goes on, right? Yeah. And I think, but then the question becomes, does G2A just really not want to do that? Is that what we're dealing with here? You know, G2A is perfectly aware of all of the shadings and it really just doesn't want to prevent it happening because it just gets more money. Is it that cynical a company? Nintendo has finally announced the Switch Lite, having the rumours went back as far as I can tell as far back as uh, December that a new version of the Switch was uh, on the way. Wall Street Journal reported that a Switch Lite and a Switch Pro are on the way. They reported that back in March. There have been various reports confirming or reconfirming this report. Um, Nintendo have like repeatedly kind of not addressed it or, or specifically, my favourite being, I think it was during the recent Nintendo AGM, the president of Nintendo, Shintaro Furukawa, said, uh, we've seen the reports, we know what people are talking about, but we're not going to comment on them because it would spoil the surprise, which is just brilliant. Mm. I'm not going to tell you about your birthday party because it would spoil the surprise. <laughs> and then last week, surprise, uh, Switch Lite has arrived. It is Quite a nice, nice little piece of kit. Like as expected, it's slightly smaller, slightly thinner. Um, it is only handheld. You cannot dock it to the TV. Doesn't have the kickstands. Can't detach the joy controllers. It is essentially the next Nintendo. It's the Game Boy version of the Switch, if you will. Yeah, I quite like it. I mean, I, I, I never. The thing is, like, I, I don't. For me, the Switch does not appeal as a device to play on a big TV. Anyway, I've got a console Same. for that. 
Switch for me was a, is a handheld anyway. And actually, I quite like it because what you're effectively getting is the use case that I need it for with the functionality that made it cost an extra 100 quid taken away. So it's actually a really appealing product for me. Like I might actually end up picking one up because for me, the Switch was great for playing indie games while I was traveling. And that's it. I didn't really want the Joy-Cons, didn't really want, you know, to, you know, dance around in front of my telly or anything like that. The Switch for me was a, was a handheld device. And this just means it's a pure handheld. It's got a much more attractive price point And it's just like a great indie game device. You know, it's, it's kind of like uh, the P PS Vita was pretty much ended up being that. Right? It was just like a really good way to access and play indie games. And, and this is kind of, I think, I think that I think they've hit like a good, I think they've hit, hit a good part. They're pitching it at a fairly attractive place in the market for me, which is weird because Nintendo effectively are doing this to appeal to kids. But actually, I think it, I think this device, this form of the Switch, sort of hits hits another note as well, which resonates with me. And you know, I'm I'm a pretty core minded person in terms of my gaming habits. Maybe that's another way of putting it. Then this the Vita version of the Switch. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Matt. Like I, I 99% of the time I've spent on my Switch it has been in handheld mode because I am travelling or when we're away at conferences or whatever. I think I've only ever docked it once or twice while playing multiplayer games with my family and then you have like indoors and so forth. But you know, I've got the launch switch, so I can do that little kind of you know the kickstand and the little make it set up on the table like you know the millennial roof party from the original reveal trailer. Mm -hmm. um, I have the option of doing that, but. So yeah, for me, it is primarily a single-player handheld device. So yeah, had I known this was coming, which granted we already did, but had I known this was coming before the original Switch launched, I may well have held out for this because this suits my use case better as well. How about you, Hayden? Does this does this make a uh, does this make a gamer of your kind more more um, interested in owning a Switch? I mean, I've I've already got the just got a regular regular switch, um, oh, and I yeah, I, I saw the announcement. I just kind of was like, sure, <laughs> <laughs> I I can totally see the appeal of it. Um, I have no, I've, I'm not gonna trade in my switch anytime soon. Like I don't dock it very often, but I like the fact you can dock it. Um, also, the fact that it's it's not much, it's not much smaller, but that little bit of extra sort of shortness, I guess you would call it, like. The Switch controllers are pretty small anyway, and I'm, I don't exactly have, like, big hands. So the idea of, like, it being a little bit more kind of short and the length of those controllers being a bit shorter is... Uh, I'm not... I'm a little bit wary of that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think one of the best things about the Switch is, like, you can just dock it on the TV. And even though I don't do it very often, the thought of not being able to do that makes it a much less appealing console. Um, so... And I don't even play a lot of the games that where you would want it like that, like Smash Bros or Mario Kart or anything. It's just kind of quite nice to uh, like dock it, lie on the sofa, and then because you can separate the two controllers, you can just like lounge with your arms akimbo at wild angles and just play quite freely. And you can just be as comfortable as you need to be in a way that you can't with a traditional controller. So yeah, it's uh, it. I I think it will be good and successful like i think they found the perfect space in the market for it but yeah I'm, I'm not that fussed also not not keen on the color schemes either like the blue yellow and gray like yeah none of it's them. a little bit a little bit muted isn't it there'll be more colors and you can you can always hold out for the pokemon version that comes out november 15th so uh yeah I'm, uh, i think i, I think that the, the the version of the switch i actually do want the most is a more powerful version of the switch that currently exists because I, I did, I did have a, I did have a switch for a while. I, I used it 
used it little enough that I just ended up giving it to my sister because she really wanted one and couldn't afford it. But uh, but yeah, but the, the the thing that that I didn't like about the Switch is it did seem to struggle a little bit with the kind of games I like to play, which are like quite big open world RPG type games with a lot of polish. You know, it's interesting to see The Witcher Three coming to Switch, and I, I would be interested to know how that how that works because the you know I bought Skyrim on Switch because I'm just a sucker um, and and you know it it doesn't handle even Skyrim which is an eight year old game all that well and that could just be because the the job done to make it work on Switch could have been a little bit better and I think Bethesda probably got a little bit better at doing that so, um, with all with all of the games it's put on Switch but yeah it's I just felt like this console is going to be limited in a way that 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 applies to the kind of games I like playing the most. And so I found it a little bit easy to give away. And I just wished, I, what, what I wanted was a more powerful version of the Switch that could more capably handle the, the, the third-party games, basically, the new third-party games. Because a lot of the third-party stuff, it's like, you know, Bayonetta from the last generation, Skyrim from the last generation, stuff like this. Now, I do accept that I haven't actually played things like Doom on it, which is a sort of a current-gen game. And seeing how that works, I mean, people seem to be fairly positive about that. But Bethesda did say you basically have to build this game again from scratch to work with the Switch because there's no way of getting a game that's that that that, that, that requires that level of of technology to work on the Switch. You just need to almost begin again. I was going to counter your point about um, huge open world games not working well on Switch, but uh, you did say you did say games with uh, with a lot of polish, and I've been playing a lot of Skyrim, and that game is not polished. But I still, I, I was playing it yesterday, like, and it's still, I still marvel at the fact that, like, regardless of how shonky it is, and it is a little shonky because it is a Bethesda open world game, it's still marvelous that I have this in a handheld. Like, and I sometimes, I sometimes take the the Joy Cons off and then just look at that little standalone tablet. And it's like, yep, that's a Nintendo console. That small device there, that's a Nintendo console, and that can power Skyrim while I'm playing on the train. And so for me, it's enough. But then maybe my, maybe my standards are lower. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm interested to see what The Witcher 3 is like. Because The Witcher 3 yeah. is, you know, almost, well, I, I wouldn't like to say if it's the same size in terms of the scale of the world. But it's got a very, very big world, but it's more polished than Skyrim. The graphics are better, so on and so forth. And I just have to assume that some compromises have to be made to get it to work on the Switch hardware. Yeah, definitely. But we'll see. But I think, but I think like you said, like The Witcher is very much a kind of a general Switch release, which I imagine the developers are, are building with in, in mind that people might dock it and then will mostly dock it and then occasionally take it with them on the move. Whereas I find it, it's kind of no coincidence that the Switch Lite is coming out September the same day as Link's Awakening, which is a remake of a handheld title. And then obviously the big one this Christmas will be Pokemon, which despite the fact that this, this in theory is the first big home console version, mainstay version of the Pokemon series, it is still essentially on a handheld device. And lo and behold, you have a, a dedicated a, a Pokemon themed dedicated handheld, which kind of shows that that, that that series is still staying very kind of true to its handheld roots. So yeah, it, it's certain titles will probably lend itself more to the Switch Lite than others. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not uh, as big a fan of Nintendo as some are as well. And when you're not necessarily wanting to play every new Mario game that comes out, it does sort of dilute the appeal of the Switch as well. And I, I think the the issue the issue I always had, and I don't think this new handheld actually solves it, um, was that you know I find it hard to find to to find the time to to actually play a lot of games, and the the. The, the gaps in my schedule where I could fit in a game are often like on a plane or on a train or something like that. But the games I want to play, 
like the, the big third party releases that come out on console, they aren't coming out day and date on Switch yet. And I have to assume yeah. that's because it's a different technical challenge to get them working on Switch. And are we ever going to see that until we get like more capable Switch hardware into, on, on, on the technical level? Um, I have to assume that's probably the case. Like until, you know, Far Cry 6 is not going to be out same day on Switch as, as, as on Xbox and PS4, just to pluck a, pluck a AAA IP out of the air. But like that game isn't necessarily going to be available day and day, and that, therefore the Switch didn't give me the ability to play the games I want to play in the time I have to play it. I do every now and again think it would be nice if I had a Switch, but I just didn't. It didn't really offer me the ability to play the kind of games that I feel like I fall behind on very, very easily um, on the move, which is really what I wanted to do. So I guess maybe I won't be a buyer of this particular one, even though I do think it would. I do think it makes some sense in terms of playing the indie stuff, but maybe that's not enough on its own. Well, the other issue with that is that obviously all the big AAA third-party stuff, Fire Cry, Fire Cry 6 will be a Scarlet and PlayStation 5 game. And all the other mm-hmm. game, all the big third-party stuff will be coming out for you know, the next generation of console, which will be, in terms of, I'm generalising here, but in terms of power, in theory, the next generation of consoles will be two generations above what Switch is capable of. Mm-hmm. Um and that, that, yeah, yeah. So day and day, it's just it's never going to happen. But then third party day and day on that's not honestly not been since like the GameCube have we had parity in terms of getting all all major third party releases on a Nintendo device. I think the Switch's the Switch's library is always going very much going to be its own thing, which I, I share your frustration with because like you know if I could play Red Dead Red Dead Redemption Two on my uh, on my Switch, I might actually get half a chance of playing it. Well, yeah, and then if 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 it could. If a version of the Switch could handle those sorts of games, it would probably be the only console I would own. Yeah, um, because it, because it would have that functionality. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm well, sure fingers crossed for the Switch Pro next year. That's all we've got time for this week. You can listen to all our previous episodes on the podcasting platform of your choice and you can get your daily dose of news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. 